A new program provides rides to work. Anderson may become a regional hub for cross-country events. A deputy who was once a marquee name in the World Wrestling Federation. Labor Day brings Celebrate Anderson, Balloons Over Anderson, and other holiday weekend events. An increase in evictions. Schools struggle to keep in-person instruction going. And all this and more on this edition of the Anderson Observer Podcast. News from people you trust. It has been another great week in Anderson, and this week brings the ceremonial countdown to the last days of summer. Yeah, the autumnal equinox is 21 days away, but Labor Day is the traditional kickoff for fall into summer and all the old white belt, white shoes and stuff. Please don't wear white belts and white shoes if you're a man. I just will throw that in there as a bonus piece of, of, of life advice, a life hack as they call it now. Um, but Friday begins Balloons Over Anderson, which will light up the skies over Williamston, Pelzer, and West Pelzer to kick off the event to raise awareness for the work of the Cancer Association of Anderson, which serves local residents and their families who are trying to meet the challenges of cancer. It's been really tough over the past year, and this is a great event for those folks to get out. And they've got lots of good sponsors, and the event will include activities for kids, food trucks, and, of course, balloons. On Friday, Saturday, and Sunday at the main hub, which is the municipal ball field in Williamston, right there behind Town Hall in Williamston. There will also be some balloon launches from Pelzer and West Pelzer, and I'll be out there for those and have some more information on that and what happened next week. But here's what Angie Stringer, Director of Cancer Association of Anderson, had to say about that event. This weekend, starting on Friday, we're going to have the fourth annual Hot Air Fair, Rising Above Cancer. And it's pretty exciting this year. Friday morning, we have our media flights, and they're going to take off from the um, Anderson Career Campus, which is District 1 and 2's um, career school out in Williamson off Belton Highway. And we're pretty excited about that. Um, James Davis and the aerospace students are going to be a part of the uh, event that day, and they're excited. They get to come out and and talk to the pilots and see the balloons go up so and talk to the media as well so we're pretty excited about that and we have a full schedule that's um, on our facebook page which will tell everybody where we're going to be in the times um the thing probably that everybody needs to remember is that balloon events are weather dependent um, and balloons can't take off all times during the day. So we have our morning flights and we have our late afternoon flights. The mornings will be around 7, um, sometime between 7, 8.30. And then the afternoon flights are like 5.45 to 7.30, 8 o'clock. And they'll be taken off in Williamston at the ball fields. We also have the opportunity this year to have two balloons take off from Pelzer and two take off from West Pelzer. And we're also going to have a couple take off from Anderson at the balloon launch field, but the, the larger group will be in Williamston. So we're pretty excited. Um, we'll have glows on uh, Sunday night at the Williamston ball field. Um, and also um, we'll have a few on the balloon launch field. 
uh, for Celebrate Anderson. So we're pretty excited about that. Um, it's going to be a fun filled weekend, and we have uh, wonderful, um, some of our wonderful patients will be able to go up in balloons this year, which that's my passion is being able to um, give people who've been in some of the toughest battles you can imagine the opportunity to rise above it, which is where our name comes from, rising above cancer. Well, that's what I was going to ask you. This is this this is that's a massive amount of work uh, trying to organize all those multiple sites and everything. Why why all that work? You know, why are you doing all this work, Angie? Well, you know, I've always been kind of a weird person, I guess, Greg. <laughs> um, I like to do things for our community, and uh, I, I love Anderson County. I have been here pretty much my whole life, except for college and. You know, just love this county, love to see good things happen. And, and Anderson's always loved ballooning. Um, the pilots love it here. And it gives, uh, you know, this event in particular gives the opportunity for people to take a, a little respite from, you know, the battles they've been going through or have completed and just kind of rise above it all. And it's so peaceful when you get up in the sky and you can look at things with a different perspective. And just kind of feel the breeze and, you know, just hear the quiet and the peace and you can look down on things. And it, it gives you a, a different perspective. And uh, this this event, you know, I mean, it takes anybody that does big events will tell you it's usually five years to start really breaking even. We've been very fortunate in that people care about Cancer Association and they know the good work we do. And they are—they back our mission, which is to lessen the burden on the Anderson County residents that are battling cancer. So we've been very fortunate in that we've done much better than break even. But you know, I'm not one for just doing fundraisers to just raise money, even though that's very important. To what we do, I want to have a programming mission in everything that we do, and to me. The name says it all. This is an opportunity for not just patients, but caregivers, you know, to look up in the skies and see something, you know, to rise above what's going on. And what we've been through a terrible pandemic, you know, last year, you know, everything was shut down. We were able to have balloons go up last year in spite of the pandemic. And this year we'll have even more. And I just think it's important um, especially when we're going through hard times, whether it's cancer, whether it's a pandemic, whether it's anything we're going through, to have something we can focus on that's positive, um, that we can put our mind on and, and recognize that everything's not bad, um, that we can find the joy in life. And I think balloons can bring that. And it's just, it's something that everybody can enjoy. You know, we don't charge for parking or charge to come to use balloons. It's an opportunity that's open to the public. And as we as we grow it, we, we would like to be able to, you know, have more of a, a festival atmosphere, which we're doing some things this year. We're going to have on the ground. We've got a kid's zone and the trackless train and, and some things like that that will be going on so people can come and hang out. Um, and that's and in Williamston, right, at the ball? I'm sorry? And that's in Williamston, the... That's in Williamston. Um, they're our headquarters. The town of Williamston has graciously been our host last year and this year, and they're our top sponsors. So, you know, we, we definitely want 
um, the residents of Williamson to get the benefit of this. And it's Williamson's such a beautiful town, and there's so much to offer there. And so it's, it's been a great partnership uh, with the town of Williamson starting last year and this year. They have some great council people, and we've got one of them who, um, Tabitha Austin, is going to actually go up in a balloon, so she's pretty excited about that. Um, so, you know, it's just, it's going to be a good event. The, um, like you said, the food trucks and the, and the trackless train and the kids zone will be in Williamston. And, uh, but we're going to try to take off some balloons from other places. Pelzer and West Pelzer wanted to be a part right. of this. Pelzer stepped up as a sponsor and, um, we're excited. You know, both the mayors are excited about having balloons in their town and, and, you know, this is the beginning, and we hope that next year we'll be able to grow it more and maybe incorporate, you know, what my dream is one of these days to have balloons taken off from every municipality, you know, during the weekend wow. so that uh, we can have not just a mass ascension in one area, but across our county. So, you know, if everybody comes out and supports it and shows their support, it'll be even easier for us to get sponsors next year. And, and hopefully, you know, somebody might see it and say, you know, I want to be a sponsor of that. I want to, um, we had uh, one fabulous donor this year step up and say, you know, I want to donate to provide for uh, some of your patients to get the opportunity to fly. And so he became what we're calling um, the uh, our Survivor Flight sponsor. And uh, so we have um, actually three patients and one longtime survivor that are going to go up this year thanks to his generosity. So, um, you know, there's a lot of ways to get involved with it. You can help crew. We're always looking for volunteers to help put up and take down the balloons and and to help us get posters out and help spread the word, whether it's just on social media that they can, they have access to or whatever, anything like that, there's a way to get involved. But this is a community event, and we would like to build the community around it and support it so that we can keep bringing it back. It is, like you said, it's a lot of work. And it's some money involved. Um, you know, you bring the pilots in, and a lot of it's on their good good nature to come and, and to do the things because they sure don't make a lot of money at it. Um, uh, so we try to pay for their propane and find sponsors. To We have Paragon Hotels that is our sponsor this year for um, helping with the hotel rooms and things for the pilots to come in and fly. And Blossman, we couldn't do it without them. Um, they provide the propane for all the balloons. So it, it's just been a really good experience. And Anman stepped up. Anman is sponsoring. Um, and like I said, Pelzer and West Pelzer. And of course, the town of Williamson. Um, People's Bank is um, their sponsor for us. And of course, Anderson County has stepped up. And we're going to have some balloons that celebrate Anderson Sunday night. So. And it's just a community-wide event. Remind everybody of where the ball fields in Williamston are. Say that one more time. Remind everybody where the ball fields in Williamston are, where, they, where you're being the main place in Williamston. 12 West Main Street, which is the uh, Williamston Town Hall or the Municipal Center, as it's called. Behind that are the ball fields. Right. And there, there's plenty of room back there, and you can park all over. We had people parking on the on the streets and everything last time to come out. It was pretty packed. So 
you probably want to get there a little bit early um, and get a good parking spot so you can see. And we're asking everybody to stay off the field, um, which gives the balloon pilots, because they have to pull their trucks in and have their tie down so that they can get the balloons to take off. So if we have a lot of people trying to, you know, clutter the fields or, or drive on the fields, it makes it really difficult for the pilots to set up. So we'll have people out there saying, South Field, South Field, so please, if you come, um, listen to the people who are helping because they're trying to make it possible for the pilots to be, to get back and forth on the fields and to um, set their balloons up and have room. So, uh, it, but it'll, it'll be a great event. So um, we're taking off... Um, from uh, West Pelzer is going to be at the elementary school, um, so you'll be able to, you know, see them from there. That's near the fire department, and um, we've got uh, West Pelzer is. Let me give you the. So that was Pelzer or West Pelzer you just mentioned. Uh, West Pelzer. Okay. West Pelzer is the elementary school near the fire department, and then. Um, we're looking at the Pelzer Auditorium parking lot, right. which is on Levy Street, which is where they're going to take off. In, um, Will they in all Pelzer. be at the same so, time, or is it going to be just different times? Or It'll be, um, all our flights will be on um, in the afternoons. So they'll, they'll start at about 545 is when the pilot, because they have their briefing right before that. So 5.45 to about 7.30, 8.00-ish, um, you should be able to see them putting the balloons up and, and uh, taking off. And then they'll be in the sky until probably 8.30, somewhere around in there. So well, right now, um, it looks if like you wanted to see them take off from Pelzer West, Pelzer Williamson, um, or Anderson, you'll need to be in the spot um, probably around 5.30, 5.45 so that you can get a good view and to see them start putting the balloons up and, and standing them up and then taking off. You couldn't order better weather for this weekend right now, it looks like. Well, we did. You know, we put in a call and said, God, please, you know, we need this. <laughs> we need some good weather, and he has been gracious. It's uh, beautiful. Look at it. I mean, it's going to be wonderful this weekend. One other thing, Angie, not only was it a challenging year because of the pandemic, but you are having to transition into some new digs for the Cancer Association. How is that looking? How is the new plans for the new building and the new facility looking? Oh, great, Greg. We, we have been very blessed again. Um, I mean, I just can't say it enough. We um, were having some structural issues in, a, in our home on 215 East Calhoun Street, and uh, we're looking at some pretty heavy costs to make repairs, and there were going to be other things going on. And um, right around that time, one of our longtime patrons who had just been really good to us through the years, Harold Frelkel, um, he was our next-door neighbor, and he took care of all our lawn maintenance and blowing the parking lots, and was just really good to us. And um, he passed away um, the last part of 2019, and his estate um, knew that we were looking at you know, doing some repairs or finding what we could do. And they actually approached us and said, you know, the building's going to be empty. And so we moved in um, and took up a lease in the end of February 
last year and started moving in. It took us a while to get everything in and get it settled. Um, we were we were able to have our birthday party here in March, and um, just recently um, they let us know that they were interested in um, in selling, and so we rounded up our supporters and the board discussed it and we um they made the decision to go ahead and purchase this building so as of last week um the cancer association owns the um former home of harold Kill's law office which is 213 east calhoun street and um we're looking at our future strategic plans and how we want to incorporate 
to complement that. So, you know, it's, it's been a, a, a learning experience for me being here since 2016, and we've learned a lot of things. And, you know, our goal is to help cancer patients in Anderson County. And you know, Greg, a lot of people don't, but we're trying to get the word out that, you know, we're not affiliated with the bigger organizations, and we don't get any money from them. We get nothing from the American Cancer Society. And we don't get any funding from um, any of the events like Relay for Life. We get nothing from those. We have to raise our own funds through the generosity of Anderson County businesses and individuals. And then to doing events like our Concert of Hope, which is coming up, and our Higher Affair. We do a Girlfriend's Tea in February every year. And so there's things like that that are staple events that we do to raise funds to keep things going, but all of them, like I said, have a programming component that gives patients um, a part in our fundraisers and in the way we're building awareness. So it's just exciting times. As, as bad as things have been, we've been very blessed. Well, I will see you out there this weekend, and I hope everybody will come out at least one of the. You got several chances, several days to get a shot to come out and see some of it. So I hope everybody will come out and enjoy some of that. And well, thank you, Greg, for helping us get the word out. We're always grateful for what you do for us and and help helping people know what's going on, not just with us, but in the community. And we're grateful for that. Thank you. Okay. And of course, on Sunday, Anderson County brings the country music star John Michael Montgomery, as well as other activities for kids, some food trucks, and more for Celebrate Anderson, the annual Anderson County gift to its citizens. So if you want to get out for that, there's going to be a lot of folks out there, and it looks like the weather's going to be perfect this weekend, which is good for Big Water Marina, which is also having Labor, Labor Day events Saturday and Sunday. And there's a lot to be said for saying goodbye to summer as September arrives, but one of the saddest realities of all these waning days of summer is the end of local summer tomatoes, which are all but gone now. If you didn't get your fill of those bright red slices of summer joy buried in Duke's mayonnaise on soft white bread, you'll just have to wait till next year and hold on to that memory of their deliciousness until that time comes again. But with the news that's not so great, the eviction moratorium nationally is now expired in Anderson County and AIM are working as fast as they can to educate and inform those who need rent assistance due to the past year of this pandemic. You've heard it on this podcast before. I've interviewed uh, Christy and I've interviewed the folks in Ames and, and Rusty Burns at the county the administrator about this program, $6.1 million, and it's being distributed. Almost $2 million has been, uh, more than $2 million has already been given to folks with rent needs. But those who have mortgage needs, it's a little more complicated because the city of Anderson has received a $1.2 million federal grant for mortgage relief, but they still don't have a system in place for those in need to apply, and the time is growing short. The last update I got was it was going to be a few weeks before they were up and running, and um, if, we're hoping for the best, but I know when AIM got the system up and running for Anderson County and the folks for the rent assistance, it took another six weeks for to get all the kinks out. So let's hope maybe the city of Anderson can work together with AIM or cooperate in some way to expedite the $1.2 million in federal aid for mortgage relief. I will have an update on this story with comments from hopefully the city and others on the next podcast. The county's new unified EMS system goes live this week and actually goes live today. And I will have more on this next time with interviews. They're still wrapping the vehicles, getting them ready. But you can look for those to be on the road by the middle of next week. Um, 
Some will be on the road before that, actually. And I will be talking to the people who will be in charge of this new program, which is supposed to offer more vehicles and faster response time. And it, it's, it was time, and this will be interesting to see how fast they can get everything, where they're going to be. There will be a lot more vehicles on the road providing more ambulances and more uh, rapid response, quick response vehicles, as they call them, which are a couple of different vehicles. And we'll have that look and other things ready. They'll look for a story in the Anderson Observer News from People You Trust with pictures and interviews on the folks with the, the new vehicles. One other new program that is already running provides rides to work for those without transportation. This program is particularly important to those taking jobs working second or third shift where no public transportation is available. So Anderson County got a grant for the program, which is now being administered by South Main Chapel and Mercy Center. And I talked to Pastor Kurt Stutler down there and her program director, um, Elizabeth Hyatt, about this program and how it is helping folks. So the Ride to Work program here in Anderson um, is a recent program that we've just started and it's very important in Anderson because there's lots of plants and bigger job opportunities in Anderson that the bus route doesn't exactly stop it or we have people working second and third shift and the Anderson bus doesn't get around during those times. Um, so we have help with the county and some other people around Anderson that have come up with this program called Ride to Work Anderson and it's basically a program where so we subsidize the cost and that way that these folks can get an Uber to and from work and that way they can make it to work and it's a 15-week program and hopefully by the end of that 15-week program they can either be able to afford a car, find a ride with a coworker or a friend, get a moped, somehow be able to have their own transportation to and from work. And how great do y'all see this? How, how great is this needed job identify? Um, I, it's one of the primary barriers to employment in Anderson. Um, as Elizabeth has said, many of the employers that are hiring uh, in large numbers uh, are in places that either the bus does not go at all or uh, they have to work at times that the uh, bus system in Anderson cannot provide for them to get to work. So. Uh, we really feel like that this is a way of not only helping the individual gain greater self-sufficiency, but also helping the whole economy of the Anderson area. As we all know, employers are in high need of workers right now. And if we can help assist with that, um, we feel like it's to the benefit of the entire community. Uh, we are very grateful for the partnership that um, we've been able to form with Anderson County and the funds that they've been able to secure to help support the program as well. The idea of the program though is not only that we would assist them with the actual ride to work, but that we would also build a relationship with the folks who are in the program. Uh, they would get um, mentoring. Uh, supportive counseling um, and we could help them access other resources or services that they may need to make employability uh, more um, stable for them uh, and they have to work with Elizabeth mm -hmm. uh, on a budget plan uh, for how in three months they're going to achieve that um, ability to arrange their own transportation um, 
Ultimately, I think we'd like to build a, a group of mentors that would could be assigned to each of the mm -hmm. participants in the program that would check in with these folks <clears throat> on a regular basis. Again, just, just to provide that support. See, I will vet these people. You'll you kind of be an application process and decide who, where the needs are greatest, is that? Yes, so the application is on our website. It's on southmainmercy.org. If you click the Ride to Work link, there are four tabs that you would need to fill out to apply for the program. Number one would be the application. Number two would be your action and budget plan. And then there's uh, rider rules and a waiver. And as soon as those are four submitted, they get emailed to me. I go through the application. We do do a background check. Um, that's not saying that just because you have a background, you don't apply for the program. Um, we just have to, since we're putting people in Uber, we just have to be careful with who we're putting in Uber. Um, so as soon as those four things are done and your background comes back, I'll reach out to you and see, let you know if you are approved for the program or if you're on a waiting list or if there's something that we need to do so that you can get into the program. Right. And, and we do ask that people, <coughs> excuse me, have already secured employment before they mm -hmm. apply for the program and that they have a working cell phone mm -hmm. uh, so that the, the ride share can be arranged uh, through that. Um, we hope that uh, at least after two weeks of employment, they are able to contribute $5 a day towards the ride. Uh, which we will collect from them, and then we subsidize the remaining mm -hmm. cost of, of the rides. Um, so we currently have four people working in the program. One is currently at Maragon. One is met Meg Laughlin on Permanary Road. We have one working in Piedmont, and then we have one working at a local hotel. Um, so the two that have been in the program the longest, about a month and a half, one has already saved up just enough to pay for a car, um, he's saving up so that he can pay for his insurance and some other things. And like Kurt said, we work very closely with him. I'm on the phone with him, if not daily, at least weekly. And once you're in the program, you do meet with me in person at least once a month. So we are doing major case management, making sure that this is something that you can do within mm -hmm. 15 weeks and making sure that you also get the help in, outside the community that you need. Why is this a good fit for what y'all do here, Kurt, and the ministry y'all do here? Well, our focus from our very beginning has been upon uh, helping people who uh, struggle because of conditions in their lives, economic, uh, may, they may be having been impacted by uh, mental illness or addiction problems. Um, and we feel like <clears throat> this program is, uh, is just an important supportive piece for uh, moving them forward towards employment. And we all know how important employment is to overall stability. I mean, it's hard to maintain housing. Um, it's hard to, to take care of your basic needs if, if you don't have a stable job. And so we feel like this fits in perfectly with our overall uh, vision of being a, a, a holistic ministry that provides emotional, spiritual, um, and uh, physical support to persons. So we have a Facebook that we update daily, um, South Main Chapel and Mercy Center on Facebook. And we also have a website, southmainmercy.org. And how long have y'all been doing this now, Kurt? We are uh, in our eighth year. We've just celebrated our seventh year anniversary back at the end of June. 
and uh, we have been so blessed with the support of the Anderson community and uh, the United Methodist Church, uh, the United Way of Anderson County, and uh, just many uh, generous uh, individuals. Uh, our dream from the beginning was that we would be a diverse community of faith, which we are, um, and that we would help build bridges in the Anderson area between segments of our community that may not have even had opportunity to be aware of each other in the past. We're really grateful for the things that God has done uh, in our midst and we've got to be a part of it. And if somebody's watching this and thinks, well, what can I do to help? How can people support what y'all are doing here? Um, well, of course, uh, financial contributions always help us out and you can make those on our website or you can uh, mail a contribution to uh, South Main Chapel and Mercy Center, P.O. Box 13545, Anderson 29624. Um, volunteer, uh, Jenny Craddock is our volunteer coordinator. You can call our uh, number 864-437-8298 and speak with her if you're interested in volunteering here. And then we just love for folks to come hang out and kind of see what's happening among us and get to know us. Uh, Sunday worship's a great time to, to get to know the, the community here. And we do that at 11 o'clock, followed by lunch. And uh, so, yeah, I would say those are the main ways. And you do have, like you mentioned, United Way, there's, there are people that are partnering with you guys here on a daily basis. Is that correct? Oh, absolutely. We, we couldn't do this on our own. We, we, you know, the partnerships that we have been blessed uh, to have have been just the lifeblood of, of what we do. So we have a great working relationship with the Anderson Oconee Pickens Mental Health Center. Mm -hmm. uh, we have a counselor that is assigned to our location and spends time here uh, several times a week. And uh, we, you know, we are able to support clients that she's working with. And likewise, uh, we are able to refer to her people that we have met who need mental health services. We also have a counselor that comes one morning a week from uh, South Carolina Vocational Rehabilitation. Uh, again, being able to, we can refer people to him or vice versa. Um, we have a volunteer nurse practitioner that's here two mornings a week, and so she's able to talk to people about uh, medical issues. Um, can you think of other partnerships? Uh, um, we work closely with Favor, Salvation Army, Hope Missions, right. um, lots of the local nonprofits along with the government-run agencies here yes. in Anderson. It's such a great idea to have the... the those rides available for folks and help them to get more self-sufficient and we appreciate the work they're doing. The folks at the South Main Chapel and Mercy Center are a light on a hill when it comes to helping our families, friends, and neighbors who need a little extra help. So if you're looking for something to support, this is a good place to invest. Their work at the chapel raises that issue of overall generosity, something a lot of folks don't consider year-round or if they do, they might think about it at Christmas time. I just did a recent informal survey of waitresses at several, several local restaurants, and it seems that tipping is on the decline. The old rubric that servers hate serving on Sunday has apparently gotten louder over the past year, that Sundays are the worst day for tippers of all, all kinds and all kinds of restaurants. Apparently church people, uh, with some exceptions obviously, are the worst tippers of all. And a lot of pastors, again, with some notable exceptions, are also notoriously tight tippers, according to these waitresses. 
Uh, some have been known to uh, pay large bills and leave no tip. And at least one well-known pastor is famous for paying for the bill for the entire table and leaving no tip. So shame on them. Tipping is maybe the easiest way in the world to be generous. And if you can't leave it, at least a 20% tip. Please eat at home. Uh, the Anderson Observer, News from People You Trust, was started in part to be an advocate for people and organizations doing something to make a difference in our community. And generosity is the key to unlocking our community's potential. There are many uh, turning this key of generosity every day. And even as I record this podcast, AIM is feeding, counseling, providing rent and utility relief. Meals on Wheels is delivering hot meals to those in need around our county, which not only need a nice hot lunch, but human contact, a smile, a friendly face. Salvation Army is feeding folks and providing beds for the homeless to sleep at night. And the Cancer Association of Anderson, who I just mentioned, is helping patients and their families navigate the very difficult path that disease creates. These and other long-time organizations such as Haven Arrest and many of our local churches do what so many others choose not to do or think they don't have time to do, and that's pay attention to the least of these, those without a voice or any power or ability to get help. And there are numerous individuals who are also taking part in this. They take part of their days to make the life of someone else a little better. It may be a visit, a phone call, a letter, a card dropped in the mail, checking on a family member or friend, donating money to help others do the same things, whatever it is, is generosity, and it's good to see. So it doesn't matter where you give as long as you give, and if you don't have very many resources, give a little bit of your time and encourage those who do such things all around. And there are business owners in Anderson County who do this on a regular basis, and that's always been impressive to me. And most of them do it quietly, and they don't use their charity work as a way to promote their, their business and advertising or promotions. And one such business is Sullivan's Metropolitan Grill. One of the things that has impressed me most about owner Bill Nickus is that when he donates food for a local charitable organization, whether it be a banquet or something else, it is always the finest food Sullivan's has to offer. That's an indicator of his character and something that goes unnoticed to a lot of folks, but not to me. And remember, Sullivan's Metropolitan Grill, which recently launched a new website and is about to debut new menus for lunch and dinner, is one of Open Table's top 100 restaurants in America. And Sullivan's has reigned as King of Anderson's top fine dining experience for the past two decades, from their signature dinner entrees to special lunch favorites. Uh, the food is always a treat. I will mention again, if you've not had Sullivan's open-faced pot roast sandwich at lunch, you're missing the best home cooking in town. And don't forget about their homemade desserts that can't be beat from that smorgasbord of cheesecakes to key lime pie to coconut and chocolate cakes. It's all incredible. And that same great food is available for your special event with white tablecloth catering at prices comparable to far less elegant and tasty solutions and competitors. Uh, so if you hit Sullivan's if you haven't been there lately and tell them you heard about it on the Anderson Observer podcast, News from People You Trust. Bill's been a longtime friend and a really good supporter of... Uh, the Anderson Observer. One of my favorite things running across here is local stories of people who have done interesting things and had interesting journeys in their lives. Anderson County Sheriff's Deputy Sergeant John Wilkinson was not always in the law enforcement arena. The six foot seven, three hundred plus pounder was once known as Stone Mountain in the world and the World Wrestling Federation, and he filled arenas as world champion. And I talked to John this week. Just start. When you were growing up, when you were growing up, were you a fan of wrestling? And I was. I loved it. I, I you know, in the area I grew up in, I grew up in Illinois, and uh, the AWA was really big. Um, you know, and I, I watched guys like Nick Bockwinkle and Dick the Bruiser and the Crusher and, you know, guys like that. And, you know, we'd 
we'd uh, we'd watch it on on TV every weekend, and uh, I, I was always a wrestling fan growing up, and it was you know when I when I got big enough in the weight room where it just seemed like the natural thing to do, you know, I that that's that's when I started to really become interested in training and doing it. Were you playing other sports and stuff, or? Yeah, I I played uh, I played basketball in college. Um, I never played football. The high school I went to um, again was in Illinois. Uh, had three hundred and eighty students in the entire high school, so we didn't have a football team. I never got to, that's everybody always asked. Well, I know you played football, and never got to play football. But uh, yeah, I, I played basketball. I played basketball for in college at Chatt at uh, Tennessee Temple University in Chattanooga, um, and uh, then got into the workforce after that. What made you think about wrestling? I mean, I know you said you liked it. Did, did you know somebody who was a wrestler, or did you just? Uh... No, I, I really didn't. Um, it, it was one of those things where it just, it hit me one day. I was watching, uh, I think I was watching World Championship Wrestling, and they were talking about uh, going to the power plant. And, uh, you know, that uh, one, of the, one of the restrictions was that, you know, they didn't want anybody that was older than 30 years old. All right. And so, you know, I'm coming up on 30 years old, and I'm like, you know what? What the heck? I'm going to try it. So, um, I, uh, I started wrestling. I wrestled, I, I trained at the Wahoo McDaniel school of pro wrestling. And, uh, you know, I, I, I trained with, uh, with chief Jay Eagle. Uh, you know, that, that's how I broke into the wrestling business. I started with, um, American pro wrestling, just doing some small shows, um, from there, I got you know I was noticed by NWA Wildside, NWA Georgia, Bill Barons and 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 uh, Steve Martin. Um, I started doing shows over there. Um, it wasn't long, and I won the NWA Georgia Championship. Um, at the time, I, I was I was NWA Georgia, NWA Wildside. They're the same thing. I was uh, I was the NWA Georgia champion for 18 months, which at the time was longer than anybody had ever held that belt, you know, including Dusty Rhodes and you know some big names. So I was I was pretty proud of that. Um, after I won the NWA Georgia belt, um, some opportunities opened up. We were on America One Network around the country. Um, some opportunities opened up. I won the NWA national belt. Um, and then I really got to travel around all over the country and, and, uh, you know, wrestle in a lot of different territories for the NWA. Um, you know, a lot of big name guys and that's kind of how I was asked to start wrestling with WCW and, and, and WWF. And how, was it fun? Did you have? It was all. I know it was a lot of work. People don't realize how much work goes into getting ready for that kind of stuff. Yeah, it, it was. It was actually. A, it was. It was a lot of fun. Um, you know, and and it does. It's a lot of work. It's a lot of work. Um, you know, you always get the question: Is it fake? Is it fake? And I, I answer with the same thing: It is entertainment. There's no question. Um, but it's very, very physical. You know, you you, you talk about 
going even three minutes, you know, with another 300 plus pound guy picking each other up, running ropes. And then, you know, it's very exhausting, very physical. And, uh, you know, it's, it's, it's demanding. Um, but it is a lot of fun, you know, and being able to travel and, you know, meet all these guys that you've watched and idolized for years, the Ric Flair's and Hulk Hogan's and, you know, being in the same dressing room with them. I mean, you know, it, it, it was a lot of fun. Who was your favorite person you ever wrestled against? Who was, what was the most fun? Um, you know, I came up with, uh, guys like AJ Styles, uh, and, um, Ron Killings at the time he was called K Crush, but um, Ron Killings, you know, those guys went on to have very, very successful careers around the world and, you know, in WWE in particular. I would probably say AJ Styles. And I actually did a commercial with AJ Styles one time for a used car dealership. Um, but, uh, you know, we, we wrestled before. Uh, AJ is such a phenomenal talent. I mean, that guy has got. He has got more talent in his pinky than most guys have, you know. And so he was probably the most fun to work. You're talking about the, the challenge physically. Did you ever get hurt? Yes. Never. I never got seriously hurt, but honestly, I probably had more concussions that I could count and just didn't realize it at the time. Um, you know, you get, you, you get your head slammed in, into ring posts and into, you know, beat over the head with chairs and so forth. And, uh, you know, I, I do, I do feel, I do feel some of the effects from, you know, some of the head, head injuries that I have back then, you know, I, I'll, I'll get headaches sometimes and things like that. Um, but, uh, thank, thank the Lord. I never got seriously injured. Just, just a lot of aches and pains. And we were talking before we got started here about training. To remind people how hard it was to train and how strong you got when you were at your peak. Yeah, I was, you know, and it's something that, you know, when I when I wrestled, of course I had hair down to here. Um, I was about three hundred and sixty pounds, three sixty five, something like that. Um, you know. I, I was bench pressing 500 pounds and, you know, squatting 700 pounds and, you know, lifting a lot of weight and you have to, you've, you've got to be, um, you know, it's, it, it, Steve Martin always, always told me, you know, wrestling is, is about being larger than life. You know, so, I mean, the, the, the bigger and stronger and freakier you are, uh, the, you know, the, the, the more your gimmick is going to sell, you know, the more, more people are you going to put in the seats. So, you know, we, we all, we, we spent countless hours and hours in the weight room, uh, working out. And one thing I can say, and Bill Barron's, you know, he's, he's a legend in, in the sport of wrestling, especially in independence. But, um, you know, he, he said, I, I, I worked out harder than anybody he had ever seen. And, you know, that, that's one thing that I can say, you know, there, are, there are guys I know that had a lot more talent than I did, but I don't think anybody worked harder than I did. So that's kind of how I made up for it. Remind people what your wrestling name was and how you came up with that. My wrestling name was Stone Mountain. And literally Chief Jay Eagle came up with that for me. Um, you know, he, he, he looked at me and, you know, said, you're a mountain of a man, aren't you? And I, 
yeah, I guess so. Um, and so he, he gave me the name Stone Mountain and I just kind of went with it from there. And how long did you wrestle total? Uh, about five years. Uh, I, I started around 97, 98 and wrestled to, to, till 2003 when I got into law enforcement. Why did you make that transition? Well, I had a developmental contract offered to me um, through from WCW, and that was pending in a sale. You know, they were they were in the midst of selling out to one of the wireless communications companies. That sale fell through. Um, when it did, they went out of business. And you know, WWF. I had done a couple of shows with them. Um, they weren't really interested in signing me. So when WCW went out of business, you know, you go from wrestling in, in uh, the Georgia Dome and the Charlotte Coliseum and, you know, places like that, going back to National Guard armories and middle school gyms, you know, and listen, nothing against it because there, there are some phenomenal wrestling in the independent circuits that, you know, you can really get a lot of amazing talent. But it's just something I didn't want to start over. I, you know, I had a family, and um, it, law enforcement was another thing that I had always had a heart for, you know, to help people who couldn't help themselves, to, uh, you know, to use, to, to use my size and, you know, my, my stature to be able to, to, to help people. Um, that, was, that was another you know, another great interest of mine, you know, something I wanted to get into. And how'd you end up in Anderson? All right, so I went to college at uh, Tennessee Temple University, which is now no longer in existence, but uh, I went to college at Tennessee Temple University. I played basketball there for a while. Um, my, my first wife is from down here. I met her at college. I followed her uh, down here, and, you know, we started a family I, I started working and you know just went from there how do people how do the people on your beat respond when they see you pull up and get out of the car i mean <laughs> what kind of responses do you get from like like both from the guilty and from kids and yeah stuff? yeah so i get you know the usually the usual reaction and i just got it this morning is you know oh my gosh you are freaking huge <laughs> And, uh, yeah, you know, my response is yes, yes, I'm freakishly large, but, uh, I'm, I'm harmless. So, uh, you know, listen, and I never, you know, I, I, I appreciate the fact, and honestly, my size has probably kept me out of a lot of fights over the years, which is a good thing. Um, you know, you never, never, ever want to try to intimidate anybody or, you know, but at the same time, um, you know, if my size and stature can kind of keep things at a calmer level, um, you know, it, it's a good thing. Yeah, the, 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 the kids are, you know, the kids that, you know, they'll kind of stand there and look straight up, you know. And I, so I'll usually kneel down to them, you know, kind of pat them on the back. Hey, how you doing? It's okay. I'm not going to eat you. Um, but, uh, you know, yeah, I, I usually get the same thing from everybody. It, it's kind of a look of shock, you know, when I get out of the car. How big are you, John? People can't tell from just this yeah, short interview. Yeah, I'm 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 six seven and about three forty, three forty five. And that threatens furniture everywhere when you come in. You have to make sure you Absolutely. get the right chair, right? That's right. <laughs>
Did, did you ever think about doing uh, like commentary on? Because you have a great voice for this kind of stuff. I actually, my major in college was broadcasting. And that, that is exactly what I intended to do. You know, was, I, I, again, I played basketball in college and, and uh, you know, I, I, when I got out of college, that's what I wanted to do was, was, you know, sports broadcasting or something like that. So, yeah, it's, it's funny you mention that, but that was, that was always an interest, interest of mine also. Well, I think you could narrate the sheriff's department stuff that we do out here because you got great. What goals do you have left? You've been a wrestler, you're, you're a law enforcement officer now. What, what else do you want to do in this field or whatever else? You know, honestly, the position I'm at now um, is I'm kind of exactly where I want to be. You know, I'm, I'm, I'm staff sergeant now in uh, the judicial services division. We've got the warrants division, the civil division, the transport division. Um, you know, it was always my goal to, uh, to move up in rank and, and you know, be as, as, as successful. We had everything. Okay. It was, also, it was always my goal to be, you know, move up in rank and be as successful as I could be um, here at the sheriff's office. So, you know. I can honestly say, and this this may sound corny, but you know, I'm right where I want to be. You know, I'm I'm, you know, kind of living the dream, so to speak. You know, um, it. Uh, I got an amazing family. You know, I work for an amazing agency. This this agency is is just we have we have come so far, and and you know, they're you know, Sheriff McBride has done great things, and. You know, I, uh, I'm, I'm exactly where I want to be. I am in a movie that's out right now, too. Oh, whoa, okay. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. All right, wait. So you're yeah. in a movie that's out right now. Tell me about yes. that. Yes, yeah. I, I, I got an opportunity. Um, it was three years ago. Um, actually, my, my son-in-law was in a couple of episodes of The Walking Dead as, as a, an extra. And this, uh, this company, Extras Casting Atlanta, he said, you should... You should you know, follow them on Facebook and they have op openings and auditions and so forth, you know, for extras every so often. So, uh, they, the, the Mel Gibson movie boss level with Frank Grillo and Naomi Watts. And, uh, they put it out on Facebook. They were looking for, they were looking for somebody who was extremely large and muscular and you know, they described me down to the T. So I said, what the heck? I sent uh, I sent them an email with some pictures. They emailed me back the same day and said, "Come to Atlanta in three days, and you know we're going to fit you, measure you for for a costume." So um, I got an extra part in as a security guard in uh, the movie Boss Level. It's, you know, that was one of those bucket list things. You know, it was a lot of fun. It's something I was never able to do. Um, you know, but uh, it was it was a lot of fun. But you're going to stay in law enforcement. You're I'm not staying. going Hollywood. No, definitely staying in law enforcement. Yes, sir. John's sons are also now serving with the Anderson County Sheriff's Department, and they are fit and strong like their dad. I've seen both working out at the Y, and they are hosses. So it's good to hear stories like that, and good to see people who found their calling. And as John said, that when he pulls up in the uh, a Sheriff's Department car and gets out, usually the fight goes out of most people. Something I learned a few weeks ago is that high school cross-country is often the second-highest revenue sport next to football in most schools, and Anderson School District 5 is building a state-of-the-art 
cross-country facility at the YMCA Duckworth Tucker Complex with more than 60 acres to be available for public use when those meets aren't going on. Great trails for walking, running, whatever you want to do. The new complex will also offer updated fields for baseball, soccer, football, lacrosse, and more. And I talked to Anderson School District 5's Coach Dickie Smith, YMCA CEO Joe Drennan, and Superintendent Tom Wilson from District 5 about the facility. We're, in, we're partnering with the YMCA to uh, build a cross-country facility out at the uh, Duckworth-Tucker area. All that's going to be re totally rebuilt. Uh, District 5 is, is partnering with the Y. We're putting in $1.9 million. Um, and our part will help build a state-of-the-art cross-country facility that will allow us to host not only state but national meets and we're designing the course um, so we can actually host NCAA meets and so the technology and infrastructure will be there because sometimes it's the forgotten sport but it is a big money-making sport for communities. Uh, in my former district in Georgia we had the state cross-country course on our campus and it was the largest revenue producer behind football. For those that don't know, cross country can be a huge revenue producer, not only for the school district, but for the community. Because when these runners come from all over the Southeast, they're gonna spend the night. And so they stay in hotels, they go to restaurants, and, and we collect tax money on all these people that don't live here. And so it, it, we're really excited about that. I know Joe Drennan at the Y is excited. We're really excited. We've got a $7 million expansion of our current existing ball fields, uh, parking lot area, concession stand area, and those type things. All of the playing fields, lacrosse, football, soccer, baseball. But one thing that we're really excited about is the development of a cross-country course for School District 5 that will be utilized for both Hannah and Westside High Schools cross-country team to run their home meets on and, and hopefully host state meets, regional meets, and uh, national meets out here. We have already started demolition. We started demolition at the end of our spring baseball season. The build time for the complex is 12 to 18 months, very weather dependent. We're hoping to beat the rainy season of winter uh, to begin and hopefully it'll be running out here next fall. If anybody knows Tom Wilson, he's done something for every sport there is in District 5. And of course he does for both high schools at the same time. Cross country, if you live over here, uh, for the past 25, 30 years, we've been all dodge watching these kids dodge cars run up and down 81. If you go over the west side, over at the bypass, and we were looking for a home for cross country. And in Georgia, it's big where Tom came from. And I didn't realize how big it was until he sent me to Tallahassee to look at a, a facility down there and cross country is kind of like, uh, I guess you say, travel soccer. I mean, it is huge. You might have 8,000 runners, 5,000 runners, and it is something that comes in and they don't stay all day. You could run five, six, seven races a day. And then when Tom was on the, if I'm correct, the board of the Y, and they presented this thing out here, they're going to work on this, which is this going to be tremendous. People don't, I mean, we're talking about the cross country, but what this will do for the Y and their facilities for the, the people that use the Y, is that's a huge story in itself. We partnered the school district with the Y 
they had the space out here and then Johnny Tucker gave us some more land and we'll be on the outskirts of all this to an extent and we're hoping to build the finest cross-country facility in the southeast. Uh, we looked at Tallahassee where Florida State's at and this will top that hands down. Uh, it's yeah, cross-country is you know through the woods and over the creek and uh, you will have parking you'll have huge venues we're looking for the state cross-country meet we're looking for regional AAU meets we're looking for fun runs or whatever and again it'll more than pay it pay for itself and having this facility working with Joe Drennan and the YMCA and then having the, the resources we have in District 5 this is this is a game changer and we're gonna build it the right way they've told us because of the cell towers that's already here we can draw national attention here because we have so many per se hookups the why being in the health business and we'd like to see people healthy too this this is just a plus this is a plus and the people that's going to benefit is our friends that run these restaurants the hotels out this way it's going to be a, it's going to be an economic boost trails those cross-country trails and all will be used by uh, the community to go jog and walk or whatever, and then when if uh, a church or a school or a nonprofit wants to have a fun run, well, they can have it on our facility. This comes off that penny. Well, the penny we have a penny sales tax. It can be used for bricks and mortar and technology. This is bricks and mortars building, and the technology will be out here too. We're gonna lay fiber optics where you can uh, display these. Uh, trails and all on the screen during the race but that penny is is not taxed on groceries it's not taxed on gas it's not taxed on your medicine and over 30 percent of our penny money comes out of georgia people coming in from georgia into here so yes the public is paying for it but no they're not if the only thing you buy is your groceries and your medicine and your gas and it's and is there strict guidelines from the state because all five school districts in our county get that penny and it, it has been it is what letting us that and Tom Wilson's leadership uh, do things like this so you know everybody wants to be progressive well it's something Anderson needs this complex has been out here 49 years in existence and it's the first renovation major that we have had out here but it's going to be a uh, huge asset to our community uh, to be able to use this and also to economic development in Anderson County. We foresee baseball, softball, soccer tournaments coming on weekends along with uh, cross-country meets and it'll just be a huge community impact. This looks like a great facility for both high school athletes and for the economy and for the public, so it's a win for everybody. Speaking of win for everybody, the Anderson Area Touchdown Club kicked off this past Friday with overviews from seven of the county's high school coaches. Crescent's head coach was out with COVID protocols, and a lot of games are being canceled due to the COVID. Uh, again, this week we're having uh, cancellations. But the Touchdown Club is now meeting at the Anderson Institute of Technology, which is a really good match, and the weekly event. Uh, honor, honors the players and coaches of the week. There's plenty of room and a lot of new technology, which really makes the players look good at the new venue. And the culinary students are providing the meals, which got excellent reviews. Uh, several people who've been in part of the Touchdown Club for years said it was the best food ever. So check out the Anderson Area Touchdown Club on Facebook for updates on their speakers and for other information. 
Piedmont gets the first Holiday Wreath Award for being the area's first town to officially announce December 11th as the date for their 2021 Christmas parade. We know others are sure to follow in the weeks ahead. The unofficial lighting of the tree on the Anderson County Square is now 86 days away. And after the annual Williamson Springwater Festival this past weekend, which drew good crowds but had sunny and hot weather, the festivals are all upon us now. Belton Standpipe Festival returns October 2nd. Honeypath has scheduled their fall festival for October 8th and 9th. Pelton's is also set for October 9th with the Scarecrow Contest, Scarecrow Contest leading up to that day. And West Pelzer's annual community yard sale, which is one of the largest anywhere in the upstate, is now set for October 2nd. So the weekends are about to get busy in addition to football. And as public schools are getting back into the groove, the surge of COVID-19 is sending teachers and home, teachers home and quarantining children, leaving the, uh, leading to the cancellation of those football games, like I mentioned earlier, and just a general sense of uncertainty and worry. Uh, the South Carolina Supreme Court is supposed to rule on the constitutionality of the state law prohibiting individual school districts from mandating masks. And I was expecting that to be today, but so far hasn't happened. Uh, let's hope wisdom prevails and that the courts let the school districts decide what's best for their students, teachers, and schools. Courts have rejected such mandates in other states prohibiting uh, schools from requiring masks. So let's hope that happens in South Carolina because it's long overdue that it follows suit. Local school districts are also doing what they can to mandate masks on buses, requiring teachers and workers to get vaccinated and be tested often. Anderson School District 5 has continued to offer $500 bonuses to all employees who gets vaccinated and recently added an offer of $100 for eligible middle and high school students who get vaccinated. Um, I, there is some opposition to this, including one of the representatives from South Carolina. There's going to be a, some sort of protest at the district office tomorrow which September 2nd, is the, as this is recorded on September 1st. I don't agree with the – I agree with people expressing their, their opinion, but I think what District 5 is doing is a good thing. Uh, those who are opposing vaccinations are, are the reason South Carolina has the highest percentage of hospitalized COVID patients right now in the United States, and they're just ignoring what's at stake here. The best way to protect in-person instruction and our economy is to encourage or require masks and vaccinations. And if bonuses do that for students or for teachers or employees, I think it's a good idea. There's more than 16,000 new cases reported on August 30th, and, and DHEC is no longer providing daily uh, records and, or deaths by date, so it's difficult to come up with accurate numbers every day. New York Times has numbers from Health and Human Services, so and Anderson has reported more than 200 new cases since Sunday, and currently AnMed has over 100 COVID-19 patients in the hospital, many in ICU, and almost without exception, they're unvaccinated patients. So this is something that's different from last year. There is a way we could be avoiding some of this, but apparently we're, some are choosing not to do that. Anderson County has one of the lower uh, vaccination rates in the state of South Carolina, which is one of the lowest in the country. So if you don't know someone who's died from this virus, you're in a minority. Lots of sick folks out there. Let's encourage vaccinations, masks, and social distancing to get past this mess before the cold weather hits. In other news, the city of Belton has named a new police chief. It's interim police chief Ross Ritchie. He is an experienced officer, and Belton looks to be in good hands. I talked to him today, and here's what he had to say about taking the office. Well, I was born and raised in Cowan Falls. Uh, it's a small town in Abbeville County. Um, when I was growing up, it was a town of pretty much only one red light. 
uh, you know, it was an industrial town. Uh, textiles was uh, our main uh, source of of jobs, and that was the main source for the town's tax revenue and those sorts of things. So, uh, you know, born and raised there. I'm a 2006 graduate of Cowan Falls High School, and um, played sports there. Played uh, high school baseball and uh, football. And how long did you always know you were going to be interested in law enforcement? How'd you get interested in law enforcement? Well, um, growing up, one of my favorite shows was Cops. Uh, and then, you know, you had uh, Emergency 911, and uh, I'm a big, big fan of Andy Griffith. And, uh, you know, so it's, uh, you know, law enforcement has always been one of those things that was intriguing for me. Um, you know, I was always considered the military as well, which I never did. Um, so uh, law enforcement was the next best thing for me. And so how'd you get involved in law enforcement? Well, in 2009, I started my career um, with the South Carolina Department of Corrections, um, a corporate correctional institution. And, uh, you know, it's one of those things where a lot of times agencies have a hard time hiring uncertified people due to budgetary issues and those, type, those types of things. So uh, I seen an opportunity with uh, the Department of Corrections. And so I went there, and while I was working for the Department of Corrections, um, I submitted a couple of applications and resumes to, to other full-time class one law enforcement agencies. And uh, one day Charles Goodwin, Sheriff of Abbeville County, gave me a call and offered me a job. So I started my career as a class one law enforcement officer with Abbeville County Sheriff's Office. A class one officer has full arrest powers um, in, their, in their jurisdiction. Um, so essentially it just means we have full arrest powers of enforcing all laws. You have different, different classifications of, of certifications, but um, to, to be a, a sworn law enforcement officer to make arrest powers, um, you have to be a class one through South Carolina Criminal Justice Academy. So where'd you go from there? Well, when I left Abbeville County Sheriff's Office, I, I spent a real short stint with the city of Honeypath, uh, the town of Honeypath. Uh, I was there for a really minute amount of time, it was a couple months, and then I left there and went to Anderson County Sheriff's Office under um, John Skipper was a sheriff at the time there. And I left Abbeville, uh, Anderson County Sheriff's Office and went back to Abbeville County under uh, Sheriff Ray Watson. And then from there, you got came to here? Is that the next? Or you got another move in there somewhere? And there was one more small move in there. Um, that's not unusual in law enforcement. I mean, when I've talked to people, people seem to, you know, that's not a real unusual path for people to go multiple no, places. No, well, I mean, it's, it's not something that you want to make a habit of. You don't, you don't want to make a habit of jumping around a whole lot, but... Um, you know, when opportunities present themselves that you think is going to be beneficial for you and especially with your uh, career progression. And, you know, some of your larger agencies um, have more opportunities for career progression than others. Um, so, you know, I left when I left Abbeville County for the second time, um, I had intentions of trying to finish my degree. And so I took a uh, school resource officer position with the, the town of Iva Police Department. And so I, I, I spent a short time as a school resource officer at Star Island Middle School there, and then I left there and came here. And so you've been here how long now? I'm in my third year. My third year with the city of Belton, yes. And you mentioned Mayberry. Is, is it like being the sheriff of Mayberry here in Belton, or you've got more <laughs> serious crimes to deal with? Well, it's a little bit more serious than, than, uh, than Mayberry. Uh, you know, we have to deal with more things than a loaded goat and... and, uh, and um, Otis, uh, I, if it was that simple, then we would, we would be, 
we'll be doing okay. Um, but no, we we our crimes vary uh, in severity. I mean, we have everything from homicide to to petty theft. Um, you know, it's one of those things to where uh, we're in a central part of the county where you know we're the second largest municipality outside the city of Anderson, and so we're between Greenville and Anderson, uh, and so you know a lot of a lot of our you know narcotics traffic and stuff tries to come through Belton, getting to the interstates and and uh, other major highways and those sorts of things. So a lot of ours filters in from people trying to get place to place to the larger cities. And how how big is your force here? We have thirteen currently. Uh, that's myself included. Um, so you know we have uh, it is ten officers uh, for road patrol assignments, and then we also have three school resource officers. You touched on this just a second ago, but what are the challenges? What are some of the big challenges y'all face? Because this is a growing area, too. It is, uh, and one of our biggest challenges, I think, is probably uh, the number of calls versus the amount of officers that we have. Um, <coughs> excuse me. Uh, we recently pulled some statistics from uh, Anderson County's telecommunication centers for our responses last year, and even during a, a COVID year, uh, we responded to around 8,600 calls. That's a lot of calls for 13 people. That is a lot of calls for 13 people. And keep in mind, uh, three of those uh, nine months out of the year is is assigned to a school. So uh, it, it is a lot of calls for, for 10 officers, yes. Well, and you get a lot of people, I mean, before we started here, somebody just wandered in wanting to get updates on something. But do you get a lot of that? Just They feel like they just can walk in? And is that part of being a small town chief? It is, and, and we want to keep that. We want to keep that feel that you know we have open door policies. Um, we want we want to bridge the gap between uh, the community of all demographics. Um, we want them to feel welcome here at the Belton Police Department because you know we serve all people, and so you know we we welcome walk-ins here. Um, you know, being a smaller agency as the chief of police, I get to interact with the public more than some of your larger agencies, which I think is uh, really beneficial. Um, because, you know, like Sheriff, Sheriff McBride and uh, other larger agencies, you know, they may not have time to uh, to interact with the public as much as they would like. And I'm sure that uh, Sheriff McBride and, and, and Chief Stewart at larger agencies, they would love to be able to sit down with someone to just walk in and talk. But they have such a large area to cover and so much more personnel to handle. So I think it's a real good benefit to be able to interact with the public as much as we do. You've been interim here for a while now, right? Uh, the week that they formally uh, offered me the full-time position, I had been doing it for seven weeks. That's great. And do you feel like you have good support from your council and administration and all here in Belton? Absolutely, absolutely. And how important is that when you're sheriff? Well, I mean, it's it's obviously important. Um, you know, you have to have that relationship, and you know they they can only do what they can do. Um, you know, we only get so much revenue and, you know, when, when budgets are, are divvied out, then, you know, and approved, we only have what we have. And so the thing I really like about it is the open line of communication between myself, the mayor and the city manager and the council, um, because, you know, it's all about compromise. Um, I may bring a proposal to the table, they bring a proposal to the table, and if we can both leave happy, then I think that's what it's all about. And 
What about uh, your family here? Is your family here? Or? Well, my wife is a uh, a native of Belton, and and so are my in laws. They've they've been here their entire Tell life. Tell people who they are, just in case people are watching. Well, my in laws are Ricky and Christy Jennings, and my, and my wife is Haley, and they are like I said, they're natives of of Belton. They've been here their entire life. My wife's a graduate of BHP High School, and so is my father in law. Yeah. So they're probably thrilled that you're new police chief here. They are. They are. And it, I mean, it's a great opportunity. Um, you know, it, it's, it's, Belton is a great place to, to raise a family, work, and, and live. It really is. And what if somebody came up and just wanted to get to know you? What, what are some things people would want to know about you? What are your hobbies? You just mentioned to me, tell you about your football preferences and all this. <laughs> tell some people some things about you that they might not know normally there, Ross. Well, I, I, you know, I try to be a very approachable person. Uh, if someone sees me out in the community, just just come up and speak. And you know, I love I love to have a conversation. And a lot of a lot of what we do as law enforcement to begin with is is educational. Um, you know, a lot of people have pre misconceptions of what they think something is that you know we want to we want to try to get some clarity for them. And so, you know, the biggest thing is if you see me out in the community, or if you see any of my officers out in the community. Um, interact with them uh, and that's that's the only way we're ever going to bridge the gap between uh, our community and our law enforcement um, but as far as me I, I'm an avid football fan uh, I'm a I'm a born and bred Gamecock fan uh, so you know I love my Gamecocks they're not always they're not always uh, uh, successful uh, but you know at the end of the day that's you know that's what we have to that's that's who I pull for um, so, you know, now that, um, you know, my wife's a BHP graduate, I enjoy going to BHP games, uh, and those types of things. So, um, you know, enjoy spending time with my family. Uh, got four girls between my wife and I. Um, and so they keep us busy. They age, they age in ranges from 12 to five and they're all girls. So, uh, we, we have our, we have our hands full for sure. Where would you like to see the department five years from now? Do you have any like a, a plan you'd really like to see put in place to move y'all ahead? Yeah, I think uh, one of the biggest things that we need to do that I don't necessarily think's been been done um, in in years past, um, and that's that's in no shape form uh, um, a knock to any previous administration whatsoever. Uh, but one of the things I think that we should utilize more is is our grant system. Uh, you know, we really need to try to get. Uh, in tune and submitting grants and those sorts of things that we qualify for uh, because we are a smaller department with a smaller budget and so any funding that we can get and receive is going to be beneficial from a technology standpoint to an equipment standpoint to anything um, I think we need to really dig into to federal grants and state grants those sorts of things um, that being said um, we just right now there's been so much um, uh, convolution and so much um, worry and stress about who was going to be the next guy during the transition and those sorts of things so now that you know there is no more worry and stress of who it is um, I think that gives us a really good starting point to be able to create some stability um, you know being a smaller department we can't offer, offer lucrative um, incentive packages we can't offer lucrative pay and those sorts of things so um, it's it's going to be one of my top priorities to create invent you know um, uh, 
creative ways to make people stay for retention purposes. That that is that is my number one goal to make this somewhere that people want to come work and, and want to stay. Um, I'm not so naive to believe that we we're going to keep everyone uh, that we currently have for for their entire career, and that's okay. Um, because if they have an opportunity that's going to be better for them and their family, then you know we, we're going to wish them well. But uh, just just working on building our stability and, and retention. And has your experience been good with cooperative efforts throughout the county? If y'all have to cooperate with the whole the county, has it been a pretty good law enforcement cooperation? Absolutely. As a matter of fact, laying laying here on my desk is a uh, is a uh, mutual aid agreement with the town of Honeypath and Chief Bozeman. Um, it's, it's already have, has both of our signatures on it. We're just, we just got to get the mayors on there. Um, so yeah, I mean, the relationships that we have with, um, Williamson, Honeypath and the, the sheriff's office is, is second to none. Um, during my three years here, there's never been an instance to where we needed one of the agencies to respond or, or needed some of their assistance that we may not have access to, um, that they've ever turned us down. It's, the working relationship with the department heads and, and amongst the, the road guys themselves, guys and gals, you know, it's a, it's a really good thing. It really is. Chief seems to found a good home there in Belton and look forward to getting to know him as he gets to know the community. He wanted to make sure everyone knows he is proud to be a Calhoun Falls native and that, that, that city and that, that town did a lot for him growing up, and he is a proud native of Calhoun Falls. Paws, which was overflowing with animals a couple of weeks ago, has things under control better now as adoptions have increased and intake is slowing down a little bit, according to Dr. Kim Sanders. Uh, that's good news for the area, and we love to see all the work going on at Paws and all the good work that Kim's done out there, and there'll be more updates to come on that as they get closer to opening the new dog park and events area that's going to be, um, that is currently under construction out there. Well, that's it for this edition of the Anderson Reserver Podcast, news from people you trust. Join me next time, and until then, get out and do something to make Anderson a better place. So